0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. That's a great place to start. So if you have your Bibles, um, iPads, phones, however you have your um, version or thing, turn to it, find it, um, and we'll read from there to start. So did I give you where we're going? No. Well, that's a good place. Yeah, open it up. It's good. Anywhere is good. It's just God can speak to you to anywhere. So, but I'm going to read from 1 John four eighteen. 18. Um, so it says, love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Ooh, heavy. Not really. Love is... We, we are trying to build something in our personal lives where that love is the key to everything that we do. Love is not just the key because a key actually opens something. Love is so immersed in us. It, love is so... Uh, what's the word, we become that which we are desiring, love. And so John, when he was, and this is John, this is the disciple, this is the one that Jesus loved. According to John, this was the disciple that Jesus loved. And, uh, and he loved Jesus. And so he described, he's got a perfect example of who Jesus was and who Jesus is to him, and he says he's love. And we're in him and he's in us. And, 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 and this concept of, of perfect love. Now, how many of us believe that we are the example, example of perfect love ourselves? Dan is the only one. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting you should say that. We'll get to that later. Not Dan, but anyway. One of, the, one of the, the spiritual ramifications of what we fight, one of the things that Jesus said is that we come against in this world, is that, sorry, I will catch a groove and it's going to be amazing. I just got to find that groove. Love never brings fear. How many of us in our day-to-day dealings with people, fear gets risen up in us? Now, that can be in any form. It's like the fear of, as I'm speaking to this person, what do they think of me? What did they, do they like me? Did I say something wrong? Did I, oh... Is my fly undone? Is how, Oh, and then all of a sudden, in our conversations, in our dealings with people, fear is actually present. Why is that? Do we believe that we walk in fear? How many of us believe every day we are walking in fear? Hopefully nobody else, nobody believes it. A couple of you do. You believe you're walking in fear. Okay, well, let's stop it. Yeah, you're trying not to, right? And this will become a little bit clearer in a few minutes, hopefully. This is the, the, the spirit of the power of the air, the the accuser of the brethren, as, G, as Paul calls, calls him. Actually, John calls, um, calls him the accuser. In Revelations 12:10, uh, he talks about the accuser and how the accuser is actually put away. Let's just look at it real quick. Um, John is talking in Revelation 12. It says then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming now salvation and power are set in place and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established. This isn't for the future, okay? We often think that Revelation, the book of Revelation is future. When John wrote it, he was writing it as a it was a symbol, it was a symbolic picture of the new covenant there is some end times stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he was talking about the kingdom, and he was talking about the new covenant. And so when he's, read, when he's writing it, he says, Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established. Present tense, are established. Right? So Jesus is established. We are actually living in his kingdom, and we are represented." representatives, ambassadors, princes, kings, whatever you look at, whatever your terminology is, that's who we are today. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accused them day and night before God has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb and the powerful word of, of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. Okay, so even though we have won, even though that we're living as, as rulers, we're, we're reigning, we're co-reigners with Christ, we're co-laborers with Christ, um, the enemy still, he's been defeated, but he's still active, all right? So Jesus says you are actually going to start warring against um, the prince of the power of the air. All right? So that is the accuser. That is the, 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 the one who comes, to, who comes to bring fear. He comes to release judgment. He comes to release um, accusation against us. So what happens is we actually, if we're not aware of what is going on, we actually partner with the accuser and we cause all sorts of hell to happen to ourselves and to each other. Does that make sense? So, that is why oftentimes we end up walking in fear. It's because we are partnering with the accuser instead of allowing Jesus in us out, And to be aware of what filters we're walking in. Now, maybe I'm not being clear enough. When we come to Christ, what happens? When we first are realizing that Jesus is real, that we actually want to follow him, that we believe that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, he's the one that we've been waiting for. When we came to him, what happened? Peace, okay? looking for one specific word. I'm kind of setting up, Kathy. We're a new creation. So what does that new creation mean? Joy. Okay. We're different. Okay. That's closer. Yep. We're different. Why are we different? We're new. (laughs) What has to happen? What has to happen in our lives for us to move from, I believe this (laughs) close that's good. What has to happen in our hearts in order for us to go from here to here? Repentance, bingo! Whoa, there we go. Way to go, Shelley. So we actually have to repent. We have to repent, and what does repentance mean? Change our minds. We actually, and then, and that becomes becomes, and then that becomes an act of what the Bible says is called conversion. Right? To convert. Right? Do we ever, we don't use these terms as much as we used to. But we look at repentance as we come and we actually gain a new insight of who Jesus is. Or, or we, a lot of times I've talked to people, and this happened to myself, where I was on this path and Jesus um, showed me who he was, and then I just changed. I turned and I walked a different way. That's repentance. Now, how many of us have been through the act of repentance? Yeah, okay, these guys haven't. Sorry, we can pray for you after. (laughs) It's like, no, but if we're all sitting here, we actually have gone through an act of repentance where we actually believe one thing one way, and then we've turned the other way. We've actually got God's perspective on something. Repentance. I love what Bill Johnson says. Repentance is the act of getting high enough, getting eye eye to eye with Jesus, getting His perspective, looking down, and then changing the way we think. Right? It's 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 not just stop doing what you were doing. I can repent. You know, I can say, "Oh, well, I'm really sorry." Uh, you know, Jesus, I just help me stop drinking water. I repent of drinking water. Mm, I love water so much. Oh, no, I don't. I don't love water. I, I'm just repenting of that. That's not repentance. That's denial. Repentance is actually, huh, I really thought I liked that. I kind of like that, but I am actually not going to do that anymore. That's repentance. Is doing, stop doing what you know is to be wrong. Stop doing what what is Wrong. And then the conversion part of it to convert, actually if you look at the definition of conversion or convert it means to change parties. It's one of the definitions. And so we're actually changing when we convert, we convert from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. So we're we're changing we're changing everything. Now politically, it's really easy to look at the political climate in the United States. And we go, man, they are crazy. Whether you identify as a Democrat or you dem- or identify as a Republican in the States, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult in Canada because we're not as vocal and boisterous and we don't have a Trump and, and it's... Anyway, but the entire political system, whether you're in the United States or Canada, is based on a kingdom of accusation. It's based on judgment. It's based on mudslinging. It's based on it's based on the kingdom of darkness. No matter if you're a Christian in the middle of that or not, the system. And so to convert is that I am a proud Democrat or a proud Republican, and I am a, my daddy's been a Republican, or you can say my daddy's been a uh, conservative. You know, I voted conservative. My daddy cons- voted conservative. My granddaddy he voted conservative. And now, all of a sudden, three generations later, I really think the NDP is where it's at. And you're going to do a bout phase. You're going to convert from being generational conservative to NDP. Now, all of a sudden, in your heart, you're going, oh, heck no. Right? Some of you, maybe some of you are NDP. I don't know. But it's the actual act of changing how you believe and changing and realizing that you were wrong and changing parties. So you're going from team accuser to team Jesus. You're going from the political party of the accuser to, to Jesus, to the political party of Jesus. That's where that analogy just stops and breaks down. I'm not saying that Jesus is a political party. Just, just, just to be clear, I just like, don't want anybody thinking, okay? So repentance has to happen in a relationship. And I think a lot of times we get bound up in our relationships with each other because we don't realize that we've actually partnered with the accuser and we bring things to our friends, our families, husbands, wives, you know, brothers, sisters, friends. If you have a habitual history of being a friend with somebody and then all of a sudden you're not friends because they won't change there might be a problem. If, you, if your relationships are, you know, um, as husband and wife, if you're constantly at odds with each other because you're constantly trying to change each other, you might be teamed up with the accuser. There, we live in such a time in history where there is such division, potential division, because everybody has their opinion and nobody wants to actually back down and admit that they could be wrong. And so even as Christians, as people who love Jesus, we have this tendency to start flinging poop and saying, well, you never, or you always, and start accusing and start judging and start flinging. Acts 3 is an amazing picture of when when they were establishing what it means to be Christians. Now let's look at that, Acts 3, verse 19. And Peter is preaching, like, all kinds of amazing heaven stuff is going on. There's supernatural stuff going on, and there's um, tongues being released, and, and there's, there's healings going on, and, and, and it's, it's just an exciting time. And then Peter says, now you must repent. Turn back to God. And then your sins will be removed so that the times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence and he will send you Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen one for you. And, and then for he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. So we're we're waiting for Jesus to return because we're in the middle of restoration, but the repentance has to happen. It's like, that was the first thing. Now, I don't necessarily believe that repentance is a one-time act. It's the one-time act of us coming into the kingdom. It's the one-time act of us starting our, our, our restoration process. But we almost have to do it daily in order for us to keep that happening. Now, how many of us husbands, let's just look at husbands, know that if we didn't repent to our wives, that means stop doing the things that ticks them off, it's not going to go well with us. Right? Wives, how many times do you actually have to repent to your husbands and stop doing the things that, that you know tick I'm just using it on a one level, tick them off, right? A healthy marriage and a healthy relationships come when there's mutual submission, when there's mutual growing and mutual repentance and conversion and, and, and we're walking in love. Learning what being mature in love looks like. Paul talks about, and this will mature your love. And this is how you know what mature love looks like. And then John says it there's no fear in love. Now, how many of us love to get into trouble? I don't. Never did. There's that fear. Fear of what? Fear of being punished, fear of being berated. Fear of being judged. So we do something wrong, you know, it's like the, the, the words that every person hears, oh, can I talk to you about something? You know, and as Christians, is like it's code for, I'm going to kill you now. You know, and hopefully, hopefully, we have set up a culture within this, this house of hope where it's easy to receive that feedback. You know, but we can even take that too far. So it becomes like every time I open up my mouth, I get blasted. And I don't feel it at all. But I really don't. But it's that fear. Because, yet, because we haven't yet achieved that maturity of love where we can actually just honestly be ourselves and not worry about any repre- rep- That's the word repercussions. So we're going from an agreement with the accuser to an agreement with Jesus. We're changing parties. So as a as a as a leader as a leader of this place I know that God is working in my heart to move closer to that no fear and love. I'm a lot farther along than I used to be, and yet I still have a tendency to wear filters on over my senses that will say, uh, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to accuse. Or I'm going to, what's the other one? Judging, accusing. Let's just use those two. Punish. I never want you to think that if I'm going to talk to you that I want to punish you or my actions come across as punishment, you know, because of something that you've done. And I know that as, as I've led and, and as I've been in ministry now for 25, 26 years, um, that there's times where I know that if somebody does something that I don't agree with, I shut them down. I'm I, like, okay, that's great. You know what? That's great for you. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna bother anymore. And it's something that, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm walking through personally that um, I want to have a group, I want to have people around me know that, that are 100% convinced that nothing that they can do will ever shake my love for them. Whether it's right, wrong, whether they know that they've messed up, because it's easier to come to somebody and say, Can you help me on this? I did this. And you go, Dude that's crazy yeah I'm gonna help you let's do it together other than you did what what were you thinking I can't believe blah 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 you know and then the accuser comes out and they feel just awesome and they feel just so encouraged and built up that they never come back right because it's just like thank you yeah because when we do something wrong we actually know that we've done it wrong most of us will actually know most of us has a, have a cognizant idea that when I've been incorrect, when I've done something wrong, when I've actually sinned, they know it. We are created that way. Now, a true friend, a true friend will say, let's work on this together. Family said, I don't care about your crap. We're still family. And that's what we're working on here. So I never have permission. I never have permission from Jesus to judge, to accuse, to um, to punish. Thank you. What's the one word? Thanks, Richard. I never have permission from Jesus to do any of those. He does those. He doesn't punish anymore. There's, and you're going what do you mean I'm not even going to get there I just like he is not the punisher it's like you know that movie The Punisher like Judge Dredd type like you know Judge Dredd comes along he's the judge you don't you know, watch that you ever seen that It's Sylvester Stallone dressed up as a judge and he goes I pronounce judgment on you and then he blows his head off it's an awesome movie it's really good I mean <laughs> you know Jesus isn't the punisher he's not Judge Dredd he is not doesn't walk around going stupid kid Okay, you're done. Hell, you go. Nope, doesn't do it. He's love. He's perfect love. So what we want to do is we want to figure out what the filters are that are on our eyes, that what are the life filters, the things that we have believed and, and, and change them. And we actually need to convert from the kingdom of the accuser to the kingdom of God. But we've got to go back and ask ourselves the question: Why do I believe what I believe? Where does it come that I can believe that I can actually judge, that I can accuse people, that I can punish? Where do we come? Where does that come from? See, this starts with our identity and our core beliefs as a people. A lot of us have been in a church for a long time, and so we just go, "Well, this is what I know. This is what I just I'm." i 'm just this i 'm this is who i am i 'm not i 've been taught that i have to be discerning and our and our question about our thoughts about discernment means i have to judge because i 'm judging discerning judging discerning good bad they 're doing good they 're doing bad <laughs> sinner that 's that's that 's not in the that 's what we 've been taught jeremiah seventeen says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. That's like, Jeremiah this is talking. This is who we are. And then the next verse says, and the heart is more wicked than anything else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? He's talking about old covenant stuff. Jeremiah said, like, this is how we live blessing, cursing. How do we know that? You know, I've had so many times, so many times, people come to me and say, How do I know the will of the Lord? Well, ask Him. Well, I can't trust myself because, you know, the heart is desperately wicked, and who can trust it? That is a root. Right there of where we get our beliefs from. Because we've been taught that our hearts are wicked. Well, our hearts aren't wicked if we're in Christ. We've had a conversion moment we've had a moment of repentance where then all of a sudden in Ezekiel it says I will Ezekiel 26 moreover I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and or from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh Ezekiel was prophesying the new covenant you couldn't have that into the old covenant it's the new covenant that he was prophesying so all of a sudden we come to Christ and our hard hearts are now flesh there's been a conversion, a literal transformation. Paul talks about of being transformed by the renewing of our minds, and he's going to give us a new heart. Heart transplant. heart transplant, exactly. But we've limited ourselves because of our beliefs to say, well, the heart is wicked, so if my heart is wicked, your heart is wicked, and so you can't trust me and I can't trust you, and we're going to judge each other and we're going to walk with the accuser of the brethren. That's sick. <laughs> it's a sick, twisted lie that the enemy wants us to believe and keeps us fighting amongst ourselves, keeps us in relationship dis- disarray, keeps us in div- you know, quickly into divorce as married couples and blowing up relationships because we tend to accuse each other instead of walking in love and knowing what that looks like. So moving forward, we need to learn that when we come into situations with each other, that we have to move forward with a tender heart because we have a tender heart. Well, I don't have a tender heart. Well, are you in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you've had that heart transplant. And that's where, you know, it's really hard when we're in, we're in situations. and Like, how many of us, when we're in conflict, our chief desire, our chief goal in that conflict is to see resolution? Let's just be honest. Like, do any of us enter into a conflict, into a confrontation and we go, I don't want to see this resolved? No, <laughs> not. It's <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. No, our chief goal. Like, our, like I, I do quite a bit of marriage counseling within, um, not so much within House of Hope, but... Because everybody here marriages are. I've done a good job, right? Just kidding. <laughs> Dan and Ashley, we still good for 10 o'clock on Tuesday? <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah. No, but when we, when we enter into conflict, when we have conflict, we don't want to have hearts of stone with each other. Like, if I have a fight with Mike, I'm not going to go to Mike and go, you stupid, idiot, blah, blah. And you're like, no, you're stupid. And I'm like, feel good? Yeah, I feel great. And then, like, you know, we're, no. We go to each other and we go, you know, Holy Spirit, what, what's going on? And we invite the presence of the Lord to come. And you go, I'm really sorry. I, I was an idiot. And I say that a lot sometimes. Not to Mike because we haven't had any conflict. But the people that are, the people that we're in our lives, I'm not saying you're not, I'm just, okay, just stop right there. I'm going to repent for a second. We have tender hearts. When we go into conflict, we have to have tender hearts for each other because that's perfect love. Owning our stuff, saying, you know what? My goal in, in this relationship is connection. My goal has got to be connection with our husbands, with our wives, especially with our husbands and our wives. I don't think, and I I could be wrong, but the marriages that have lasted the longest are the marriages that have actually learned how to repent daily. The lights just went off. That's freaky. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is, some says, well, no, I, 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 have, I have constant, I'm constantly fighting, like, I got to have it my way. I, I'm constantly fighting that it's like, this is who I am. But Paul says in Ephesians 5:8, it says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. I want to declare to you this morning, you may know this, but I want to declare it again. You are light. You have been transformed. You have had a heart transplant. You have a heart of flesh. And it is good. It's not desperately wicked. Because that's the old you. You are light. I remember when I was a kid. I was probably six or seven, maybe eight years old. I was staying with my aunt on a farm, and she was sick of me being in the house all the time. This was the 70s, so we were outside a lot of the time anyway. She lived on a farm, and she gave me an axe. She says, <laughs> seven or eight years old, an axe. So it actually was more like a hatchet. So it was about this big. It was just perfect for my little hands. And she says, Go out and play. <laughs> and I was like, Tro-tro-tro. So I found a spot in a field. It was like on the side of a grain field. And there was a single tree growing up. It was a poplar tree. It was probably about that big around. And I thought to myself, I've got an axe. I am going to build a teepee. I want to build a teepee. I didn't know that I had native roots, but something in me said a teepee. I'm like, great. So I went to the, it was about, I don't know how far. In my mind, it was not a long way away. So it probably was really close because you know how things change when you grow So I went into the forest and I started cutting down poplar trees. And I don't know how long it took me, but what I did is I cut them down, stripped them, put them up around this one pole, and I made myself a little fort, you know, a little teepee. And I was very proud of myself. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't do anything wrong. It was just I didn't cut myself, have all my appendages. And I remember sitting down, getting in, and, and looking up, being very proud of myself. And all of a sudden, I had the most agonizing pain in my thigh that I had ever enc- encountered at that point. So I stood up and I started dancing and I run into the house and I'm screaming in pain and I remember ripping my pants down and I look and there on the floor is a, is a wasp. It had crawled up my thigh and then bit me stung me. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to become a wasp. <laughs> Actually, I didn't. What did I want to do? I wanted to get it as far away from me as possible, so I killed the bugger and, 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 and got, got my aunt to give me whatever it was. And, but I never thought I was going to become a wasp because I'm a human being. And just because I get influenced by something externally doesn't make me that thing. So because we are light, darkness cannot abide in us. Because we are influenced by darkness doesn't mean that we become the darkness that we're influenced in. I remember another time I was playing on a tractor and I I, I was younger, probably about six. I was at a babysitter's house and she had an old abandoned farm and I was playing on this old tractor, doo ba ba doo, and she calls me and she says, Jeff, come in, it's time for snacks or whatever, whatever. So I okay, I jumped down and <laughs> I jumped down and all of a sudden there's pain shooting up my leg because I had stepped on a plank with a nail in it. Right? Oh what? I never once thought, oh my God, I'm a nail. You know, I wanted to remove it from my body. We're not, we don't become the thing that we're influencing us. So you say like, no, my heart is desperately wicked. No, you are light. You are light. You're the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says you are the righteousness, actually says, of God. You, that, the, of Jesus in you, makes you righteous, makes you good, gives you the ability to now walk in love and not punishment. Walk in love and not fear. And not, you know, Denny said something last week about anger. He says, anger isn't a sin. It's, it's how, it, how what you do to it that causes it to be sin. So myself, I'm declaring this morning and I'm standing before you and I'm saying I refuse to partner with the, with the accuser. I refuse to partner with the accuser. I will never start with giving myself to permission to accuse you, to judge you, to punish you. I'm not going to be that to you. I'm not going to be that to my wife. I'm not going to be that to my kids. Will I get upset because they do things stupid? Maybe. Will I get upset? Maybe if you, if you do things, you come to me and you, nah, I've done this. Nah. Will, I, will, will I have moments of, yeah, yeah, we all do, but we don't live in that. That's the whole point. We don't live in that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you. See, Jesus's, Jesus, the, 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 the introduction to the new covenant was us understanding or with, with them understanding what repentance conversion looked like. The new covenant works because of repentance. The new covenant, like they didn't have an opportunity in the old covenant to repent; they just did it, or they would die. It was external process. It was external. You know, if you do this, you're cursed. If you walk away from God, you're cursed. If you if you if you break the commandments, you're cursed. You're you're punished. The new covenant says if you repent and allow Jesus to give you that heart of flesh, this is the start. So the new covenant is 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 repentance which moves to reconciliation, then, re- then moves to restoration. That's a picture of the new covenant, and it has to happen every day of our lives. Because as soon as we repent, that's when the Lord says, okay, now I want you to go to that person and, and reconcile. But, but, but she, she did... Th- I- yes, Lord, I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to see reconciliation. And when reconciliation comes... Restoration happens. So I see too many marriages, and I see too many relationships break down in this process because one or both couples of the couple refuse to repent. Well, I tried, but it didn't work. I've, I've had people say, "I have tried to repent. I've tried to actually forgive. I've tried to forgive him, but he's a jerk. I have good reason. I have really good reason to not to repent." No, you don't have a good reason. You just have a really, a really bad reason because you're just not willing. Ooh, ouch. So the new covenant, you know, this, sorry, this, new, this process in the new covenant, repentance, reconciliation, restoration, this is what actually causes us to mature in love. This is the, the, the ultimate goal is then we walk, we have a fearless love life. We're not walking in fear. So 1 John four seventeen, verse prior to 18, that's usually how it works. Mm. There's a By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Perfect love, or sorry, love never brings fear. Fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So, when we're walking in this, when love is being matured in us, when we're daily taking stock of where we're at in a relationship, repentance, reconciliation, restoration, relationships change. We die daily. Paul says it. I die daily. This is how, and this is how the world will actually know that there's something going on. This is why the world was changed two thousand years ago when the church was started, is because um, they knew Peter as a loudmouth fisherman, and then all of a sudden something changed in him where he wasn't quite so abrasive. How many of us have known people that their lives have totally changed upside down? They are not the same person. They look the same. They smell the same. They, but they, but they're different. How many, because they've repented. This is how the, the church will, not the church, we're the church, the world will know that we're different is that because we conduct ourselves contrary to what the world says is, is right. So when the barista at Starbucks gets your coffee wrong, how do we respond? With judgment, with punishment, with accusation. I can't believe, yeah, that's how we usually do it. It's it's like, I can't believe, you know, you had one job. You had one job. You know, McDonald's, I've been, because I'm eating uh, keto, I I don't eat the carbs. So if I'm in a hurry, I'll go to McDonald's and I'll grab um, an Egg McMuffin. And this is my order. Can I get two egg McMuffins with the cheese on the side? So then what I do is I just pull the buns off, put the cheese between the meat and the, and the cooked egg, and there you go. It's protein and it's, it's good. Do you think that they can get that right? I'm like, come on, guys. So it's these little things, right, that irritate you. How are we handling this? The world will know that we're different because of the love that we have for each other, And we love we have for them. It's a test. But because we're light, the test can be really easy if we believe that we are light. Not that we're darkness. So sin is, you know, we think of we're caught in cycles of sin and we're we're caught in this and we're doing these things that are wrong. Sin is really just anything that is warring against love. So if I if I if I have a quick abrasive word to Deanne when when I think she's done something to to harm me that's sin. But if I say to her, hey did 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 you mean to I just picked something up. Did, did you mean to say that that way? No, because I know my wife. After 25 years of marriage, I know that she's not going to do anything nine times out of ten. She is not going to do anything that is going to purposely tick me off. Right? That other one time is just because she's feeling feisty and a little bit sparky. Same with me, right? There's times in my marriage, I'm like, I'm just going to watch. <laughs> Bing! And she's like, right? She doesn't react like I do. I'm more like the dancing mannequin, <laughs> right? She's the, she gives me a look. I'll say something, and I know it's going to tick her off or hurt her, and she gives me a look. And the look is, you just hurt my heart. And I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry, right? It's just, it's, it's just the way it is. So love, so, so sin is anything that wars against love. And that's the kingdom of the accuser is because the accuser constantly comes against love. He is releasing fear, he is releasing, releasing accusation, he is releasing judgment and punishment. And that's where we see, especially if we look, you know, we can look at our own country, if we look in the United States, because it's a lot easier to look at, we can see the mudslinging going on, the, just the craziness of it, and it is all based on the accusations of the accuser. There is no love. But it's just going to take one person or two people or ten people or a church or a a thousand people to stand up and go, I am light and this is what I'm going to do to walk in it. And I am not going to have, in my atmosphere around me, I am not going to be a place where I'm going to partner with the accuser of the brethren because he's actually already been defeated. And so my position as a believer in Jesus with a heart of flesh whose light is, I'm going to make sure that people around me know that they're loved. And that's mature love. Are we there yet? Probably not. Are we moving towards that? Absolutely. Because that's the daily progression. That's the kingdom expanding. Jesus said the kingdom will expand day to day. It's part of the ever-increasing kingdom of us realizing who we are and how we operate in love. Does that make sense? All right. Let's stand. Jesus, thank you for repentance. Thank you for conversion. Thank you for who you are. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.